Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ. It meets in Christiana, Tennessee, and I'm thankful to have this opportunity to be able to study with you, to present a message from God's Word, and I'm thankful that you joined us for this study. We have been studying why I'm a member of the Church of Christ based on a book that was written by Leroy Brownlow. And in that book, uh, he details uh, several different chapters, several different reasons why we should be members of the Church of Christ. Uh, And I like the way that he presents it. And so we have been studying this book on on Wednesday nights in our Wednesday evening Bible class. And uh, I've been sharing these lessons with you over the last few months. Today we begin a new chapter. We begin chapter 10, or reason number 10, of why I am a member of the Church of Christ. And the reason that we are looking at today, it believes the Bible is a book to be rightly divided. It believes the Bible is a book to be rightly divided. The Bible is truth. But Christians must be careful to rightly divide the word of God. As we see Paul's instructions in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and beginning with verse 14. 2 Timothy 2 and verses 14 through 19. uh, For context, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 16, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
many fail to rightly divide the scriptures and in doing so teach error regarding the scriptures. I don't believe this to be intentional in every case. I believe many cases it is unintentional, Um, but there are intentional cases where people fail to rightly divide the word of truth because they want something from the Old Testament. They'll bring it into the New Testament period, for instance. But we have this division for a reason between the Old and the New Testaments. And we know that the old law was done away with. It was nailed to the cross, so to speak, when Jesus died for our sins. And so a new law has begun, uh, the church, and we are to follow the new commands that are given in the New Testament, which are basically the old commands for the most part. But there are some things that we leave in the Old Testament to practice New Testament Christianity. The uh, Again, the establishment of the new covenant following Christ's death. There are those that that try to hold on to bits and pieces of the Old Testament. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. And we have to remember also that there is a difference between suggestion and command. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, verses 6 through 9. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. The example that we have in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians, and in particularly chapter 7 and verse 6, is that there is a difference between suggestion and command. That This is something that Paul is saying not as a commandment, but as something that he wishes for his followers, something that he wants them to understand. We have to rightly divide between command and suggestion in the writings of the scripture, but understand that all is given for our learning and all is given with a purpose behind it. Truly, we do believe that the Bible is a book to be rightly divided, and that is one reason that I am a member of the Church of Christ. Before we get into the the meat of our lesson, let's bow as we always do in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us, and we thank you for this day, and we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word and for the ability that we have to study from it. And we pray, Father, that you would guide us in our studies, help us to have a good understanding of what your word has to say, help us to understand today the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth. We pray, Father, that you would help us to do those things that bring glory and honor to your name. Forgive us for our sins. Keep us always in your care. And it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. We begin by looking, uh, as we're looking at rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing the Bible. 
we understand that the word does need to be divided. And there are different ways in which the word is divided. Just some basic divisions that we have in the word. The Bible is divided into two testaments. We have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. And if you grew up in Bible school, uh, you may remember that the Old Testament contains 39 books. And the New Testament contains 27 books. And we have this division between Old and New. And this division is important. As we look at the Old Testament, we can even break down the Old Testament into certain divisions. First of all, you have the books of Moses or the books of law. These are the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We have begun on Sunday nights a study just walking through the Bible, and so we've begun in those first five books. And right now we we are still studying the book of Exodus. Um, but we recognize that these books were written by Moses, as we have reference in the New Testament to that very fact. We also have certain books of history, books of history. There are books that that will tell us of the history of God's people. Esther and Ruth, those are good examples of books of history. Um, even Job, I, I think, would fall into um, maybe some history. I, I guess he's more poetry, um, but definitely Esther and Ruth, they give a, a, a good representation of the history of God leading his people. Especially in Esther, we recognize that in Esther, uh, there is no specific mention of, uh, of the name God in the book. But it does tell of the history of God's people. And God's providence is very well recognizable in the book of Esther. And you have the six books of poetry. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon, or depending on what translation you use, it may be uh, titled Song of Songs and Lamentations. Those six books are books of poetry. In Job, we have a, a discourse of, of God and, and what uh, Job's friends and Job really thought God, who they thought God was. And we see that Job's friends were very wrong in their opinions, the opinions that they very well shared with Job. There were some things that they had right, but just the fact that they believed that Job was being afflicted because of some evil that he had done against God, that was a wrong assumption. Uh, but we do see a lot of poetry in Job and the, the discourses of his friends and himself. Psalms is, is basically a collection of songs that were written by David and also others, some written by Solomon and some who the authors are unattributed. But we have this very good book of songs and it's almost very similar to the song book that we use today. 
They could take those songs and and sing them. And even today, uh, I know in the songbook that we currently use, there are several of the psalms that have been put to music of songs that we know. And so we've begun to sing some of those here and there. Uh, but we have that songbook and, and Proverbs, a book of wisdom, uh, Ecclesiastes. Uh, all of these, these are good representations of books of poetry. Lamentations is a lament of what had happened to God's people and all the things that they had suffered because of their disobedience. But again, a book of poetry. Prophecy. There are books of prophecy. You have both major and minor prophets that are referenced in the Old Testament. And so we see these books of prophecy, some prophecies that point even as far as to Jesus and beyond. And we have these books of prophecy for very good reason. Um, and certainly as the, the people of the time period were in captivity or coming out of captivity, uh, these were prophecies regarding God's people too. And then we come into the New Testament and you have different divisions in the New Testament as well. We start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as we look at the Gospels, we find that that there are so many things uh, about Jesus and his life. The, the miracles that he was able to perform, the teachings that he gave the people, the, the fact that he spoke in parables. This is found in the Gospels. Two of them were written by apostles of Jesus, Matthew and John. And two of them were written by those other than the apostles of Jesus, Mark and Luke. Those were not apostles. We have a history of conversions in the book of Acts. Several different people, uh, men and women, different households that were converted to Christ. We have the establishment of the church in the book of Acts. And then following that, uh, we see in the sermon that Peter preached, he taught them what they needed to do to be saved. And following that, we see men and women that were taught the gospel and that ultimately obeyed. You have different letters that are written in the New Testament, mostly written by Paul, uh, but they were written to churches and in the individual Christians alike. They were written as an encouragement to those that they were being written to, an encouragement for them to continue in their faith, to continue to grow, to uh, just giving them instructions on what they needed to do as Christians. So we have these letters that were written. And then finally in the New Testament, you have one book of prophecy, and that is the book of Revelation. Probably one of the most difficult books to understand, and yet one of the most, uh, one of the easiest, in that we understand the basic meaning of Revelation, that we as Christians win. God's people are going to be victorious, and that's what Revelation teaches us. And there are a lot of people that try to apply these revelations to today, and I don't believe that to be the case. We've been studying the book of Revelation 
on Sunday morning, uh, one of our elders, Brother Kirk Mason, is teaching that class, and we're about to finish. But as we have been studying this book, most all of the prophecies deal with a uh, people in a certain time. These were written to uh, a time period that was shortly to come. It was very close at hand. Um, and we see that those revelations apply to those people or the revelation, the overall revelation to the people. It, it was applied to those people. And there's dispute as to what time period it may apply to. Uh, I think a majority believes somewhere around 70 A.D. in the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, but there are other ideas, too. And, and there's a lot of disagreement even between those in the brotherhood, those who uh, agree on most occasions but maybe don't completely agree as far as, as the meaning of this book. But Revelation is given to us with a purpose. It is given to us with a meaning. And again, the, the overall idea that is presented is that we as Christians win. So we have those divisions of the Bible, of the scriptures, and it's important that we recognize those divisions. There are certain books. I remember being taught in one of our preaching school classes years ago. I remember the teacher was David West, uh, also my predecessor at Mars Hill. But I remember him teaching, and he said that there are ways in which to interpret the scriptures. For instance, most of the Bible you take literally unless it is without a doubt figurative in its meaning. And there are certain books, such as Ezekiel, that have a, a lot of terminology that that maybe is difficult to understand, but a lot of things that it's almost impossible to take literally. Revelation is another book that, that would be difficult to take literally. And so you would take those books figuratively unless they are to be taken literally. And, and that was basically how he explained interpretation of the scripture. Most everything we take literally but there are certain things that we would have to take figuratively. And in those cases, we would take them figuratively. Um, but certain books such as Ezekiel and Revelation would be taken figuratively unless they're obvious literally. A division of the dispensations. Not only is there a division of the scriptures, there are ways in which we can divide them. And we, we keep them within their interpretation. But there are also ways to divide time, so to speak. Dispensations of time. And there are three basic dispensations of time. Number one, you have the patriarchal dispensation. The word of God was shared with patriarchs of families and passed on from generation to generation. This continued until the law was established, as we look at Exodus chapters 19 and 20 and a little beyond that. And it continued after in the form of God's revelation to Gentiles. But we have the, the patriarchal age in which the patriarchs 
were addressed by God directly, or uh, and then they would share the message of God with their families and with those around them. Uh, we would think of Adam and Eve and Noah, Abraham. These were within that patriarchal dispensation. And then you have a different dispensation of time in the Jewish dispensation, also known as the Mosaic dispensation. An outgrowth of the promises of temporal and early blessings made to Abraham uh, is an example of this Jewish age. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, Genesis 12 and verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. This was speaking of the Jewish people. They were going to be established through the seed of Abraham. To Abraham was born Isaac and through Isaac birth to this great nation of people was established. That was God's promise. He was going to bless his people, the Jews, the seed of Abraham. And as we look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, we have a sort of a representation of that today. Galatians 3, verses 16 through 18, Now to Abraham and his seed were promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. The seed of Abraham, we see it represented in that seed, Christ. Christ was going to come through the seed of Abraham and through his descendants, and he did. Not many seeds not many peoples, but there is one people that belongs to God. Today, we are the seed. We are the spiritual seed of Abraham. If we continue in the ways of God, then we, we are doing exactly as Abraham did, obviously dividing between the dispensations, but we are doing what God or what they did in serving God. We are obeying his commands. And as we are obedient, we are spiritual sons of Abraham. As we look at the law and the Jewish age, the law was given to God's people, the Jews, in Exodus chapter 19 and also in verse 20. And there are more specific laws that follow that. The family system of worship was enlarged and developed into a national system. Each tribe was given individual responsibility, such as the tribe of Levi. They were given responsibility in the order of the priesthood. 
uh, in the divided kingdom. You have Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Um, but we have individual responsibility for each tribe. And in the divided kingdom, we see that the tribes are divided against each other. They, some, many would follow Jeroboam. And there would be a couple of tribes, Judah and Benjamin, that would follow Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But we have a divided kingdom, and yet they were still God's people. So we see individual responsibility. Uh, As far as the tribes were concerned, each was responsible for doing God's will. The Jews were to remain a separate and distinct race until the coming of Christ. We refer to this as a middle wall of partition. They were to remain in God's service, holy and free from the defilement of the world. The law was a shadow of good things to come. It looked forward to the coming of Christ. It was in the form of types and figures of the new covenant. The law was a schoolmaster. The law was not without fault. But the law was unable to take away sins. And Christ came as a perfect sacrifice that the sins of the people might be taken away. The old system of law was not meant to be permanent. And we're going to look at these things later on. Uh, I'm just giving you kind of a rundown of what is to come because We don't have time to finish all of this today. So Lord willing, if all goes well, we'll pick up here next week and we'll continue our study of why we are members of the Church of Christ. If you're not a member of the Church of Christ, then I would encourage you to ask questions. I want you to ask questions of yourself. And I want you to ask questions of of those who may lead you uh, if you're in a denominational church. Ask questions, but make sure that what you're doing is according to the scriptures, according to God's word, because if it is not, if what you're doing is not according to God's word, and you're not one of his children, I want you to obey the gospel. I want you to hear the gospel, and I I hope that that's exactly what I am presenting to you. I believe it is. I'm presenting you with scriptures so that you can study for yourself. And I would encourage you to to note those for that very reason. Ask questions of me. If there's any way that I can help you, I want to do that. And you can submit those questions. You can call us at the church office, 615-203-3637. You can send us a letter, 1135 Rucker Road. Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. That is the Mars Hill Church of Christ. And you can go to our website at marshillcoc.org. And we would love to hear from you. We want you to contact us. And and like I said, if there's a way that we can help you, we will be glad to do that. I hope that you'll join me again next week at 11 o'clock next Tuesday morning for another another lesson according to the scriptures. But I thank you for being with me today. I know that there are different things you could be doing, but I thank you for joining me today. And until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.